podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. After the Reds' midweek success in the Champions League, which saw Klopp's side run away 7-1 winners up at the Ibrox, with Mo Salah scoring the fastest hat-trick in the competition's history, on this week's pod we'll be looking ahead to what's certain to be a far sterner test for Liverpool as Manchester City arrive at Anfield this Sunday. With Haaland in superhuman form and City looking typically imperious, we welcome on Dan Burke from the Blue Moon podcast to lend us his views on how Pep's side continues to develop what he's made of the new signings and those who've departed, and just what he's anticipating for the huge clash this Sunday. Welcome back, Dan. Hey, Harry. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, to, good to have you on. I think it's, it's, we've always had some interesting discussions over the past like, past few times you've been on. Obviously, I think Liverpool and Man City mm-hmm. being the um, like the well, seemingly the significantly best teams in the league in terms of sort of vying with each other for, for multiple honours. Certainly, last season um, that was very much the case. Right until the last game, I think. You know, I mean, I know we spoke before, or sort of ahead of that, uh, at different points in the season. It was interesting how it looks differently both times we spoke, and then the way in which it actually ended up transpiring that it came all the way in the end down to that last game, uh, and in particular, a twenty-minute period uh, in in that game for you against um, against Villa. Uh, just literally briefly casting our minds back to the end of last season because this is the first time the two sides will meet this time round. I mean, yeah, wh- wh- where was your head at at the, at the end of that season? I mean, it was a very dramatic way to sort of win the title. Um, like, again, big players who, who we've discussed with each other each time we've spoken. Again, coming up trans for you. I'm, I'm thinking of Gundogan, just a, a giant of a footballer. Yeah. Um, what was your thinking? Because obviously there was that same same thing again with the Champions League saga um, and the exit there, but uh, and perhaps not winning the domestic cups in the way in which you would previously have expected to in previous seasons. But the league, in dramatic fashion, was was that the uh, the most important thing? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it, it was. Uh, it's always great to win the Premier League. I will never ever get tired of doing that, and that is always for me personally. I, I think for a lot of City fans, actually, it's still kind of the number one priority for us going into a season. So, yeah. if we get that done, we've had a good season, no doubt about it. Obviously, the Champions League is something that we we really want to win as well. Uh, we haven't done so yet. Who knows? Maybe maybe mm, this will maybe. be the year. Maybe not. Maybe we'll uh, our wait will go on. I don't know. Maybe uh, you know that the, the Haaland factor might have finally got us what we need to, to kind of get over the line in that competition but yeah to, to end the season in such dramatic fashion was uh you know very stressful on the final day and it was a very stressful couple of months with Liverpool running us close right until the right until the very end and you know you don't need me to tell you how close you came to, <laughs> to making unprecedented history last season and and you know I'm, sh- I'm sure you were feeling pretty deflated at the end of the season which you know I, I genuinely feel a bit sorry for you because you know for, to go through all those emotions and, and to end up with just that I say that inverted commas, two domestic cups yeah. uh, must have felt like a, a, a bit of a disappointment and it would have felt hugely disappointing had we not come from behind to beat Aston Villa on the last day of the season, had we ended the season empty-handed. Luckily for us, we, we did get that title. Um, we did retain the title and um, and it was it was a really satisfying end to the season for us and uh, got some got some good business done over the summer and, and have made a good start to this season and look look strong contenders for, for the title again. So, uh, so yeah, everything's, uh, you know, it's... After a good end to the season, every, everything's pretty rosy in the garden for City at the moment, and uh, long may it continue. We hope. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I mean, you mentioned that sort of end of the season, and I think it's it's interesting at the moment because we were chatting a little bit before the pod started, just around sort of Liverpool's current current struggles, current identity crisis, if you will. And mm. I think you know, people have thrown up so many different theories, and then every now and then, part of me does just drift back to thinking about. 
uh, can't just be this, but does part of me does think about just the mental, uh, the mental fatigue that it must have. Actually, I think you know, on mm-hmm. on 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 high performing athletes to be to be pipped at the post, you know, um, as you mentioned, sort of when, when at one stage you're you're in. Uh, even though I think all throughout the season the managers played down, you know how how realistic the quadruple is. I think actually maybe now we're seeing sort of the reason why sides don't go for all four competitions because maybe mm. it leads to some some burnout. But but certainly from time to time I've wondered just about the the mental fatigue that that could have on players that okay, you missed out again by one point in the league to a record breaking uh, record breaking City side, and and then of course the way in which that Champions League final transpired both on and off the pitch. Yeah, you just you just you just wonder sort of how much mm. of that is responsible for what we're currently seeing. But we're obviously here to talk about uh, City, and I mean we spoke at sort of one of the preseason pods that we did just around the business that City had done uh, and you know, big departures in, in in that of Sterling, Jesus, and Zinchenko. You can maybe sort of rank them in different ways in terms of the the, the legacies those players left behind. Um, but now mm. we're sort of a little way into the season, and you can sort of see how those players are doing. Um, at the clubs that they've joined, obviously Zinchenko and Jesus going to Arsenal, Sterling over at Chelsea, uh, Graham Potter's Chelsea now. Uh, just, just firstly, just, just your thoughts on uh, the various fortunes that you've seen those those, those players have. It's, it's taken Sterling a little bit of time to settle at Chelsea, um, but it seems to be you know settling more and more, and perhaps he'll do even better under Potter. And then Jesus and Zinchenko uh, at Arsenal, fitting like a glove. I mean, what have you made of that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy for all all three of them in a way. Like you know, I said on the the podcast we did before the season started that like it, all of the players left with with sort of good wishes from the fans really, and uh, you know they were all good servants to the club. They all helped us in a very successful era, and we we genuinely wished them well when they left. And it was it was a bit of a shame to see them go, but I, I understood why they all left, and it's good to see them them flourishing at their new clubs. Jesus in particular, you know, he's a player who who always worked so hard for for City whenever he played. Never complained about being in and out of the team. You know, played in positions that perhaps weren't his favourite positions. He was often deployed on the on the right wing or the left wing when ideally he'd like to be playing down down the centre. You know, the problem with him a lot of the times at City is that he was playing second fiddle to Sergio Aguero, and then when Aguero left, he never really kind of picked up the mantle and, and he never really stepped into that that breach and, and really became the new Aguero that City needed. And, and you know, we haven't had that player until until Haaland now really. So. Um, it, it was kind of a big shoes for, for Jesus to fill that he never really was able to fill. But he's gone to Arsenal now. He's, he's the main man there. He's trusted. He's played in his favourite position. He's uh, got the love of the fans. He's got the wind in his sails, really. And it's it's really good to see him flourishing because I think the potential has always been there for him. And I mm. think he was a bit of a victim of, of the rotation policy at City, uh, which was a bit of a shame. But uh, yeah, you know... When we play Arsenal, if he scores against us and if it proves to be a decisive goal, I might might uh, retract some of these statements. But for now, like I'm, I am really happy for him and Zinchenko as well. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a player with the fans. He was a real fan favourite to see. We we really loved him for his his attitude and his endeavour. Another one who you know didn't play in his favour favourite position for most of his time at the club. And I think you have to say at this point that Zinchenko actually is a left back, even though that that wasn't how he started his career. That that is the, the position that he is as has grown into now and, and really made his own and, and he's doing really well at Arsenal as well which is great to see and, and Sterling yeah I mean he's had uh, a couple of I, I don't know if you would call it sort of bad words to say about the club but he he, he almost suggested that he left it under a bit, a bit of a cloud really that he, he didn't get the contract offer that he was perhaps uh, hoping for he, he wasn't getting the kind of respect from Guardiola that he felt he deserved he wasn't playing as much as he felt he deserved so with him it's there is a little bit of uh, a bit of sort of salt in the water, really, which is which is a bit of a shame because you know he was a great player for us, um, won titles, scored lots and lots of goals. His his record was incredible. His goals record for City, so it is a bit of a shame to to kind of have a bit of bad feeling towards him or or, or a bit of bad feeling the other way around uh, from him towards City. But yeah, it's good to see him doing well as well, and uh, I think he is he is sort of warming into the position at Chelsea that he's in. Um, seen him sort of ghosting at the back post and scoring a few goals and some nice finishes from him. So I have no doubt about his ability as a player. It's just uh, whether it will uh, he will enjoy the same success as Chelsea just because they're they're not quite as a, a stable as City are at the moment. But yeah, I think all, all three players were were big losses to City, but we seem to have replaced them pretty well so far. 
I was going to say, sort of like in in various ways, there were big losses, and I d- did wonder sort of how how City would cope with it. I mean, I think I think at the at the stage where there were still rumours that uh, uh, Bernardo Silva could could depart as mm-hmm. well, that was the one that for me I was looking at, and it's all, it seems foolish now, given how Liverpool have dropped off a little bit so far. But uh, that was the one that I was looking at, going, okay, if if City lose him, that's that's he's a really significant player. Um, yeah. and has been for a number of seasons that that's a dent in terms of how do you quickly replace someone like that even with obviously the goals of um Erling Haaland that we'll come on to talk about but um obviously he stayed and looks as sort of renewed and as uh, energetic as ever um just talking about the players who've come in then I mean uh, Sergio Gomez uh, left back from Anderlecht uh, Akanji that we spoke about uh, Calvin Phillips uh from from Leeds and of course the one that takes most of the headlines Erling Haaland from from Dortmund, uh, it's probably easy to go to Haaland, so we'll, we'll probably leave him for a little bit. But um, just inter- interested, interested in what you made of the other signings, and maybe Akanji and Phillips are the ones who've made more of an impression rather than Sergio Gomez. I'm not sure how much he's he's played, uh, but certainly seen quite a lot of, lot of Akanji recently. Um, what have you made of those two signings so far? And um, uh, just also, just from your perspective, just how wise the moves were. It looks like a Kanji's was a very, a very clever move, but um, mm. I, I'm not sure really how much I've seen Phillips uh, playing. Obviously, with Rodri's, uh, Rodri's form. Yeah, well, it's been uh, a bit of an injury nightmare for Phillips. Actually, I think That's he's. It. Okay. Yeah, he, he might have made one appearance off the bench um, in the league, and we played. I don't know if you if you remember, we played like a weird sort of. Uh, friendly against Barcelona when the season had already oh, yeah. started. Yeah. Uh, like two games into the season, we played like a midweek fixture for charity in Barcelona. So Phillips played in that game, looked okay, you know, it was only a friendly, and went down with a shoulder injury at some point. And I think he'd had problems with his shoulder in the past. And they basically decided after he got this injury that the best course of action would be an operation, which is probably going to keep him out until the World Cup, if not uh, for the World Cup. We don't know if he's actually going to be fit and available for, for England at the moment. So we haven't really seen any of him at all at the moment, which has been a bit disappointing because bringing him in, you know, it was it was he was signed to to offer uh, cover for Rodri and competition to Rodri, and you know, he, even someone who could play in the same team as Rodri from time to time, and just that that hasn't been available yet. Luckily, Rodri's not picked up any injuries really, and still been his imperious self. Um, so we haven't needed Phillips so much, but yeah, there's there's not an awful lot to say about him at the moment except that he's been injured, and and uh, and the Akanji and Gomez signings were were strange ones really at the time because uh, Zinchenko left the club this summer. City seemed to go all in for um, for Mark Kukurea. Um That seemed to be one that was just going to, you know, it, there was a bit of a, a disagreement between transfer fees between between City and Brighton, but it's one of them where we'll get this done eventually. It'll just be a bit of a negotiation period. And at some point, City just pulled out the deal, said we, we're not willing to pay what Brighton want for him. Brighton demanded... Um, an amount which they felt was reasonable. City didn't feel it was reasonable. Fair enough that these things happen. He ends up going to Chelsea and then the fans are thinking, well, well we need to sign a left-back. We've sold Zinchenko. We have to sign someone. We've only really got two proper full-backs in Cancelo and Walker. We've got to do something here. And the club didn't really do anything and it, it was a bit of a, a sort of bit of a panic mode really from, from the fans really. We were sort of thinking, what's what's going on? What Are, they, are we really going to go into a season with, with only two full-backs? Then they signed this this guy Sergio Gomez from Anderlecht, who nobody really knew an awful lot about. Um, it was quite a cheap transfer, about 50 million, I think it was. Um, and he was signed as what the club called a development player, whereby he wasn't signed to be a first-team player straight away. He could maybe offer a bit of cover in the Carabao Cup or you know a couple of Champions League group stage games or something like that. But the idea was that he wouldn't play very much and would would you know he's still quite young as well, so he, he would just kind of learn from Cancelo and, and Walker and. And stick around, and he—he's another one a bit like Zinchenko actually, who started his career out. I think when he was at uh, Dortmund, he was—he he was moved back to left back, but prior to that, he was kind of an attacking midfielder, and he—he's very much in that kind of uh, La Masia mold of player, where the, the you know the sort of a uh, quite slight st- uh, in terms of stature and good on the ball, and hmm. you know get blown over by a strong gust of wind kind of thing, but actually quite ta- tactically intelligent, and, and when he has played, he has actually looked quite good. And does look like a, an interesting player for the future, but that is what he is at the moment. Really, he's not a player for now; he's a player for the future. And then they brought in a Kanji towards the end of the, the transfer deadline. Again, that was quite a cheap deal. I think that was sort of 15, 18 million. And you know, a lot of fans, you know, a lot of fans saying, "Well, why are we signing? We've already got Diaz, Laporte, Stones, and Ake there. Do we need a fifth centre back? Really? That seems odd when we've we've only got two full backs." 
Um, they brought him in. He's been a revelation so far. I mean, I watched him a little bit when he played for Dortmund. I always thought he seemed a little, a little bit panicky on the ball, a little bit error prone. He's been almost perfect for City. You know, he's 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 drawing comparisons with uh, Vincent Company. In fact, fans are saying he, he he sort of carries himself and plays a little bit like Company. Maybe he's even a little bit better on the ball than Company. A little bit, a little bit less sort of uh, robust in the tackle, let's say. Um, so I'm not saying he's he's, he's as good as company yet, but like there are certain similarities there and, and we're really impressed with him. And we have now got a situation where we've got five centre-backs and two full-backs, but the likes of Akanji and uh, Stones often, and, and Ake can often fill in a sort of auxiliary full-backs. And we play this, this, this kind of system whereby the full-backs tuck in a little bit and play almost like defensive midfielders at times. And it kind of suits a centre-back quite well. And actually there have been times when Kyle Walker's played, who's had injury problems this season, but when he has played, He's looked a little bit uncomfortable in that that sort of inverted fullback system, which can suggest that maybe uh, maybe he might be getting phased out in in the, you know over the course of the season. And maybe we might see centre backs playing there a bit more often. And, and Walker is probably going to be out until the World Cup now. But it's mm. not like we're not we're not really worried about it. It's like well we've got enough cover. We, the, the way we're playing, it's kind of it's kind of suited to those centre backs that we've got. So yeah, those those players that came in have, have been really good. And then. Uh, yeah, at the other end of the scale, you've got Haaland. You've also got Julian Alvarez, who who looks yes, like a, yeah. a real a real little firecracker of a player, a real kind of Argentine striker in the Sergio Aguero mould. Uh, again, obviously, we're, we're drawing comparisons with uh, a player who, who did a, did a lot for the club, and and, uh, Agu- and and Alvarez hasn't reached those heights yet. But the early signs look really really promising with him. And you know, I think he was a, a highly coveted young player when he was at River Plate. I think a lot of clubs had a look at him and. We were able to get the deal done for him, and he's um, he's been good so far. And he can play down the middle, he can play out on the wings, and uh, looks like a, a good player for for now and for the future. Of course, and um, I think it'd be that it brings us on nicely to um, to Erling Haaland, obviously. And it's uh, mm-hmm. quite hard not to not, not to talk about him. I think there was some interesting stuff made about sort of how how he would settle. I never really, really had any sort of concerns personally. Well. I had concerns about how he'd settle, to be honest. I think, I think they were the, <laughs> they were the ones that have been proven, proven correct. I wasn't, I wasn't worried that he'd, he'd find it hard necessarily. Um, certainly with the supply line that he's got, um, coming his way. But, uh, just interested about what you thought in terms of how you thought maybe the team would change slightly to, to accommodate him, how you think the change, uh, the team has changed to accommodate him as well. And, He's obviously what I think is that fifteen goals already. Uh, I think it is in all competitions top scorer. Oh no, it's twenty goals in is all it competitions. Twenty? I'm behind. What, yeah. Twenty. Okay, well, this, is, this is live stats, not yeah. Twenty goals in all competitions already, <laughs> which is absolutely absurd. Uh, he's he's on 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 route to break all sorts of records. I think I saw his shot conversion mm. was like forty percent the other day. Which is yeah, that's not that's not that's not what uh, strikers do. Even like all-time great strikers have not managed to achieve that level um, of uh, of ruthlessness in front of goal. What have you made of him? Um, what have you made of sort of how uh, he's uh, you know got it into uh, the way in which City are playing, and yeah, the way in which City have had to change, if, if at all, to accommodate him. Yeah, well, I mean, I was one of the the people who, before the season began, was was pretty cautious about Haaland. Was 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 kind of wondering how he would gel with the team, how he would settle into English football, whether injuries might be a problem, whether he would need some time to settle, how we would react if he went a couple of games without scoring, uh, whether that you know he, he would end up being benched a little bit if he if he sort of failed to acclimatise a little bit, like like very quickly, and you know all of those concerns have been completely unfounded so far aside from the uh, the community shield against Liverpool when he had a bit of a stinker and missed a couple of chances including a, a really glaring uh, miss right at the end that you probably remember um it's been unreal basically i mean he's there, there was a, a, a few games early in the season where you could tell that the team weren't quite used to having that central number 9 focal point of the attack they got so used to playing with a false nine that they were uh, perhaps making more passes than were necessary, not playing very directly, being a little bit hesitant. You could see Harlem making the runs and, and not being picked out. I mean, there was a, a goal on the opening game of the season away at West Ham where De Bruyne just uh, slipped Harlem through on goal and he, he went and scored his, his second of the game, having scored a penalty earlier. And you thought, wow, this is uh, this is going to be a, a production line that really bears through the, the De Bruyne to, to Harlem connection. If if those two are on song, then then we're going to be difficult to stop this season. And, and that, that's pretty much been the case uh, throughout. I think. 
City have a tendency to kind of warm into the season and take a little bit of time to get up to speed. And I think some of our early games, we didn't play particularly well. You know, we, we were playing sort of 60, 70% of our, of our ability, really. You know, when, when you see City, when they're really flying at 100%, we were, we were just not quite clicking, really. And I think Haaland's goals were almost papering over the cracks a little bit and getting some results in games that uh, we didn't necessarily deserve deserve wins from. And uh, that's been something that has uh, not really been a feature of Guardiola's tenure for all, all kind of City's imperiousness. There have been some games where we've kind of like lacked a bit of cutting edge sometimes. And, and that has been something that we've been, we've been searching for since Aguero left really. And, and we, we seem to have got that now, which is, which is great for us. And, uh, and yeah, Haaland, I mean, he, he's just, you know, he's just phenomenal really. Um, he, he scores goals that other strikers wouldn't be able to score, you know, just the way he used his body to hold off defenders. He's, he's big, he's strong, he's quick. He's great on finishing with both feet. He's, is linking up as well. You know, he's, he, you look at the, the game against, uh, against Man United the other week, he scores a goal at the back post where he, uh, get, latches onto a De Bruyne cross. You know, I don't think 99% of players in the Premier League would have been able to reach that cross, but Haaland gets there. You know, he scored a, an even more unbelievable one against Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. There's also a pass that he plays for, uh, for Phil Foden's goal to make it 4-0 against United where that was like a De Bruyne-esque cross. Like he's, he's got everything oh. really. And it's just like, it does feel a bit unfair that we've got him. Like I, I, I appreciate that as a City fan. Like how other <laughs> fans must be watching us and going, "This is just ridiculous." Like, you know, and it, and if he keeps up this kind of scoring record, he, he will break all the records, as you say. He'll end up with, you know, forty odd Premier League goal thing or something like that. And it's just like, you know, it's going to be difficult to stop City if he keeps up that kind of form. He's also uh, got the got the break during the World Cup, which should hopefully help him uh, recharge his batteries a little bit and avoid injuries, unless he uh, puts his back out bending over for the TV remote or something. He should be fine in the second half of the season to kind of kind of pick up where he left off. Um, I do think injuries are still a bit of a concern. You know, we haven't really countenanced that idea of well, what do we do if Haaland is out for three months or something? Right. Yeah. You, 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 we have got Julian Alvarez there, but I don't think he's a like for like replacement in terms of the players that they both are in terms of the, the level, the quality, it's just not the same. Like, and I suppose the, the hope for us is that, well, we, we played without a central striker for a couple of years and, and won a couple of titles on the bounce doing that. So it's not like we will be completely kind of like a fish out of water. If that happens, we will, we will have something to fall back on. But um, yeah, I, I do think if Harlan gets injured, then it's a problem that could make things interesting in, in terms of the rest of the league. But if he stays fit for anything like the rest of the season, I think it is hard to see past City for the title because I just think his yeah. his consistency, the, the amount of goals that he's scoring. I mean, he he scored once against Southampton the other the other the other day, and it was almost like what only one? He only scored one goal this week, and that's a bit disappointing, isn't it? But you know, he's he's hitting that, those kind of levels already, and 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 there's there's already talk about oh there's, there's a release clause potentially in his contract that kicks in in 2024, Real Madrid or or PSG or whoever might come in for him then, and I'm just. I'm just sort of enjoying it while it lasts. I, I don't think it will last forever. I don't think Haaland will spend the rest of his career at City. I think he will want to move around at some point and, and try out other leagues. And if he gives us three or four years, then I'm very, I, I consider myself very, very lucky to, to have witnessed those three or four years because he is an absolute phenomenon. Yeah, no, you, you mentioned sort of injuries there. I mean, you're probably thinking back in, in yesteryear, it's, 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 the Premier League would probably be sort of the sort of competition where teams did start thinking that they're like, right, okay, we can't beat this guy. <laughs> let's look at, let's look yeah. at, let's look at taking him out. Obviously, that's a completely different game now. Players don't wish injury on each other at all, but, um, you do feel like that's, that's going to be the only thing that's really going to slow him down. Um, mm. and then you, and you also wonder as well, I mean, just how long he'll be able to maintain that sort of scary, uh, burst of acceleration that he has, and but again, mm. that's you're talking in years, <laughs> like when players tend to lose. Yeah. I mean, he's 22. He's 22, he's 22 years, years old. Years like old. Got... I know his knees are going to yeah. be fine. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but I was going to ask you. I mean, you mentioned a bunch there, but what's been the most surprising aspect to his game? Obviously, I think it's surprising that he's 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 gone on this sort of ruthless uh, streak so far, hitting the ground running um, uh, as he has done. Uh, which is almost sounds like an understatement, but has there been any aspect of his game that has surprised you? I think it's the strength mainly. Actually, that is that is the the big thing that I, that kind of sets him apart from the rest. I mean, he is he is a great finisher. He's he's great in the air. He's he's good at hold up plays. He's technically and t- tactically very very clever. And he 
he moves around a lot and uh you know even his presence on the pitch even if he's not involved in getting on the end of a chance or, or creating a chance, just his presence is enough to kind of distract defenders and they're constantly thinking, where's Haaland? Where's Haaland? Like, and that creates space for other players to exploit. And we've got, you know, players who are incredible at ex- exploiting that space. So that's what makes us, makes us so dangerous. But yeah, there are times when, when the ball goes into him and, you know, there's some big stocky defenders up against him, some big, uh, talented and and experienced Premier League defenders who just can't get near him. He just he, just the way he's able to hold the ball off. Uh, he, he scored a goal against Nottingham Forest where a, a sort of aimless ball goes into the box, really, which normally would just be sort of shepherded out for a, a goal kick, probably. And he's just like gets in front of the defender and just scores the goal. And you just think, wow, like not many players would actually do that. It's quite a simple goal, but he's kind of one of the, one of the few players on the planet who could do that. And he's just got a combination of everything really it's like he was built in a lab to be a to be a professional footballer and you, you couldn't really identify a weakness in his game necessarily and I'm sure there is room for improvement there and and that's pretty scary as well like if there is room for him to get even better and, and if Guardiola can you know teach him a thing or two and if he, if he can acclimatize to playing with City even more then like it, it's hard to imagine uh you know us being stopped this season and next season and the season after that which to us, is a delightful thought. To other people, I can imagine it must be a bit of bit of a nightmare. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I guess. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints, and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Maybe you think that I'd, I'd I'd be more, I'd be more despondent at the moment. I mean, I I I think definitely. I mean, I, I'm 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 man enough to admit that I'm uh, I'm I'm upset that the record points totals where we lost the league by one point uh, came to be. To be honest, but apart from <laughs> that, I'm more I'm more focused on yeah Liverpool figuring out their own sort of um, questions at the moment, just so they can build for for the future. But you mentioned Haaland there and uh, it's it's so easy for him to like take all the attention such has been the impact that he's had. We we've spoken in the past as well about um other players, we've mentioned two of them already, so Gundogan and, and Bernardo, who I think are just two absolute gems that you have. I mean you've got De Bruyne mm-hmm. as well, but uh Gundogan and Bernardo always uh, sort of attract my attention. Um and another one is, is is Grealish as well. We spoke about him and the signing and the fee and the, the pressure and uh, sort of the performance level uh, feels like a big season for him as well, and just just wanted your opinion on on, on those three players. I suppose I mean, it looks like De Bruyne is back at his imperious best, so perhaps it's not even even worth sort of covering him just yet because but he is he is sensational, obviously. But those three for me have have gone a little bit under the radar. I I guess you you could say given how Haaland's performed, but what have you made of them? And in particular, sort of you know, Grealish is now sort of he, he's got you know. He's got a shadow to operate in a little bit because Haaland's doing what he's yeah. doing. So how has he um how has he taken into this season? Yeah, it's it's a fully one the Grealish really because last season uh was his first his first year at the club. He did he did all right. I think nobody would say it was a great season from him, himself included, but he did okay. Like nobody has any real sort of concerns or complaints about him. It was it was considered a, a bit of a bedding in season for him, and there is a bit of a pattern of players taking a bit of time to adapt to playing for Guardiola and sometimes it even takes as much as a season and I think a lot of people thought yeah it was a decent enough start from Grealish he'll kick on this year and at the start of the season he wasn't really showing huge signs of kicking on and people were starting to get a bit concerned about him you know he's not his return in terms of goals and assists isn't great and I think that can be a bit of an unfair way to judge players but when a club has spent a hundred million pounds on you. That is ultimately what you're going to be judged by. And I think he knows that as well as anyone. He's spoken a lot about how he needs to get more goals and he needs to get more assistance to his game. And he he is actually a, a very useful player for City uh, on the ball. You know, he, he keeps things ticking over nicely. 
he never loses the ball. He's a very unselfish player at times and, and he's good at bringing other players into play and creating space for others and dragging defenders out of position and that kind of thing. But he would like to be scoring a, a few more goals and we would like to see a few more goals from him. And, and the only person who has kind of gone on record and said, oh, I don't really care about him scoring goals and assists is, is Guardiola, who uh, in kind of quirky Guardiola fashion just kind of doesn't think it's that big a deal, which perhaps to him it isn't. And when the team is performing so well, maybe it's not such a big deal. But at the time of right at the time of recording, Grealish has only has only uh, scored once this season, and he's definitely been getting a bit better in recent games. They seem to have adjusted the system a little bit, which allows him to to be playing in midfield uh, in field a little bit more instead of being being strung out on the right uh, on the left wing. Sorry, and uh, and he's 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 contributing a little bit more. He's getting a bit more into into goal scoring positions, just not really finding the net at the moment, which is which has been a bit frustrating for him. But I'm sure it will come in time. And uh, and yeah, the other two you mentioned like Bernardo Silva. As you said earlier, like it was, it was, it was a really worrying time when um, it looked like he might be off to Barcelona in the summer. And I think, aside from bringing in Haaland, keeping hold of him was the second best bit of transfer business we did this summer because he is really integral to the way City play, um, a superbly gifted footballer, but also one who works incredibly hard and is incredibly tactically intelligent. And when you watch him, you often see him sort of dropping into almost like a defensive midfield position or sometimes dropping as, as deep as like alongside the centre-backs and picking up the ball and kind of dictating play. Whereas De Bruyne is given a bit more free reign to kind of bomb on into into the final third and uh, get into positions where he can, he can play passes or make crosses or, or take shots. Uh, Bernardo is a bit more of a kind of foil for him and a bit more unselfish and, and hasn't really contributed uh, a great deal in terms of goals and assists himself this season. But He's doing the job that he's asked of him like superbly well, and and he's one of the first names on the team sheet as far as I'm concerned. And and Gundogan is um, he's one who, despite being the 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 de facto captain now, he is the the main man with the armband when he plays. Um, he is like not really considered what a starter necessarily. He's a bit of a rotation player almost. Um, it has been a bit of a problem over the past few years finding a way to get. Gundogan, Bernardo, and De Bruyne into the into the uh, the same team doesn't happen very often. Usually, one of them has to drop out, and usually it's it's Gundogan. Unfortunately for him, he he does have a tendency to to get into the box and score goals, as we saw at the end of last season. And I think he's only done it once or twice this season. But you always get a very good shift from Gundogan. You always get a good performance out of him. He's a very very clever player, very tidy player. Um, great player to watch. Very silky. And you know, we played United in the derby a few weeks ago, and was announced on the morning of the game that Rodri had picked up an injury and, uh, you know, everyone was was wondering what on earth we were going to do without Rodri because he's been such an imperious player for us and such an important player over the past couple of seasons. It was like, you know, Phil Phillips is injured, Fernandinho's not here anymore. Who Who's going to play in the, the number six role? Is that going to be a problem? I think, uh, you know, City fans have, have got a bit of PTSD from, from Gundogan playing in, in the number six role in the Champions League final a couple of years, couple of years ago and us, yeah. us getting beat by Chelsea. And that is widely cited as like the, the reason we lost that game, which I think is a bit unfair. I think there were there were a number of reasons that we lost that game and uh, that, that wasn't the main one really. But um, Gundogan played against United in, in the holding midfield role and did superbly well. Uh, played there again uh, in in uh, the midweek game against Copenhagen, the Champions League last week as well, and was was really good. And you know, he, he's a guy who's great at creating space for himself, um, great at winning the ball back as well, and and just just an all round silky, brilliant, lovely player to watch. Really, so I don't know what the future holds for Gundogan at City necessarily. That there are, I think he's he's out of contract at the end of the season, and at the moment they haven't uh, they haven't got a new one set up for him. So whether he will. Uh, want to move on after this this season or, or he'll be tied down to a new deal I don't know but I certainly hope he stays because he's uh, he's been a great player for us over the past five or six years Absolutely and it's, everything obviously seems to be going very well it's just sort, sort of discussed that you can't necessarily foresee you know, aside from a Haaland injury sort of what's going to be the difficult uh, sort of situation that City encounter this, this time around so far anyway I mean not because it's a Liverpool-based audience or whatever like that, but just, just genuinely, if you had to sort of pick the worst-case scenario, I mean, what, where do you see sort of there being vulnerabilities, if at all, in this in this city side? Is is it in, in case of sort of a um, the depth that you have in those attacking positions? But as you mentioned, the side had got accustomed to playing without a striker as well. I mean, where 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 are the weaknesses in this city side if you were to be an opposition manager? <sighs> Yeah, it, it is really hard to say, actually. I mean, I th- like I say, I think an injury to Haaland would make things very interesting. And, you know, maybe an injury to Cancelo would make things very interesting because 
he plays pretty much every game and uh he uh he, he can fill in at left back or right back and do, do a superb job in either position but um you know as, as kind of well as we've done with having a, a centre-back filling in at, at full-back at times this season I wouldn't like to, to put it to the test long term I would like to have walkabout fit and I would like to have Cancelo play in and, and you do wonder whether that's going to be sustainable for the whole season you know whether it would be sustainable if Rodri was to get an injury now as well um like I said Gundogan filled in really well there in those games but I wouldn't like to see him playing there all the time. I don't think it's his it's his best position. I don't think City are at their best without Rodri in, in the midfield. So there there's slight concerns. You know, I think we uh, we addressed the slight concern about maybe Edison getting an injury in the summer with the the goalkeeper that we brought in, Stefan Ortega. Uh, hasn't played a competitive match for us yet, but but looks looked pretty good in pre-season and and comes off uh, having a, a solid career in the Bundesliga and, and being a good goalkeeper there. So I think that's that's a bit less of a worry now. So. Yeah, it's hard to say, really. I do think the Haaland factor is is the main one that we we have to be worried about. Uh, he did have a bit pretty patchy injury record at Dortmund, so I hope that doesn't come back to back onto him. And obviously, with the with the World Cup thrown into the mix this this season, that could make things interesting. You know, that big six week gap if you know players are starting to to falter towards the end of the season uh, with all those games and, and starting to get tired, um, that could be an issue for us. But that's an issue for everybody, really. And we've we've got one of the, the best and deepest squads in Europe. So I can't see it having more of an effect on us than it has for anyone else. So mm. yeah, it's, it's hard to really envisage too many problems at, at this moment in time, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah. And so, I mean, with that as the context, and obviously the context to sort of how Liverpool um, have been playing this season, sort of really struggling in a number of ways to, and we spoke at the start of the season, and I think you maybe asked me about sort of what my, what my concerns were at the start of the season um, when it came to Liverpool. And it's funny. I mean, I'm 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 not one for I told you so or anything like that. But I I I, mm. I really thought for me the issue was control control of games. And if I'm looking at that city side, the one thing that I envy quite a lot is the fact that on the ball there's some wonderful wonderful midfielders there that you know you don't control through counter pressing. Yes, you press in a, and and you have that as part of the the mechanism of how City play. But sort of Liverpool and their ability to control games on the ball from midfield seemed dependent to me anyway on on two players being fit and in the starting lineup and that was Fabinho and Thiago uh, and now things seem to have escalated a little bit this season in terms of the breakdown of that sort of team's physical um, capacity if you will um, but I mean it, we spoke a little bit just before we even got on the pod and you and you were saying that uh, you still had a, a degree of apprehension around sort of this <laughs> this game this Sunday and it's, it's sort of a funny position to be in because um you mentioned on the last pod, it's probably the first time in in uh, many seasons I can remember myself being nervous ahead of the trip to the Emirates, and and, and that was proven yeah. uh, to be uh, to be correct. And ahead of this game, I, I must admit, and I'm sure I'll get some stick from some of the Liverpool listeners um, who are who are listening in, but I have to admit, I think I think a large portion of the fan base are probably bricking it because can can barely sort of <laughs> can barely compete against. Uh, other sides in the league, um, and uh, defensively, the holes have been sort of pretty, pretty big, pretty open to see. Uh, so, just, I mean, given all that context, I mean, how are you expecting City to approach this game uh, at Anfield? Yes, it's a ground where they've not necessarily had the best of records, but mm. this seems like the best opportunity of them all, especially with the, the weapon that Haaland is to come and sort of end that run. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it does feel like that, to be honest. I, I can't ever imagine going to Anfield expecting City to win, but I'm feeling more confident about this one than I think I can ever remember feeling. Mainly just, I mean, I mean, like 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 we've discussed, City City are in good form and playing well, and, and Haaland is scoring goals for fun, and, and we're looking very solid and all that kind of thing. And I have been a bit sceptical about Liverpool's demise this season. Um, hmm. I, you know, I've watched you a few times and, and thought, I haven't really seen you being completely outplayed for you know an entire ninety minutes all season. Really, no, I think no. There have been there have been times when you've you've looked poor. I think you know the worst I've seen you play was was Napoli in the Champions League. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, other than that, like I've I've been, if not impressed, then at least like you can see that the old Liverpool is still there, and there are still you know things to be feared about this Liverpool team. Yeah. But the tank just seems know, a little bit emptier, doesn't it? It's oh thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure, which is totally understandable, isn't it? Having having it, it is actually full <laughs> last last season, yeah. and and you know, you know, even even a few seasons before that, you know, it's been sort of 
almost four or five years now, isn't it, of, of, of very high-octane stuff at Liverpool. And I think you don't need me to tell you that it's uh, it, perhaps this is kind of the, the natural the natural endpoint to that. And, and you needed a bit of a fresh impetus in the summer in terms of players being brought in. Um, you know, I'm not saying you, you should have changed the coach or anything like that, but definitely players being brought in was was something that perhaps should have been done. And, and you can see that drop off in intensity has, has made things difficult for Liverpool. And, uh, you know, you're seeing like Virgil van Dijk looks a bit more mortal nowadays and that's been a bit of a problem and, and Salah isn't in the greatest of form and I think you're missing Sadio Mane and I think Nunez has looked look pretty good actually but like hasn't really uh, truly had the chances to kind of hit the ground running I think that, that red card really kind of curtailed his start to the season having made a good start against against Fulham in the first game of the season but like I'm still not convinced that City are going to just walk into Anfield and steamroll you at the summer uh, at the weekend I think uh, it's uh, it's always a, a bit of trepidation going there because of the atmosphere at Anfield, which has which has really been a problem for us in the past. You know, we, we've we've almost bottled it when we've gone there in the past, I think, and and really been overawed by that that sense of occasion that you get when you play at Anfield in the, in these big games. And uh, and I'm sure Liverpool are going to you know really take things up a notch and, and won't want to lose to City this weekend. And uh, and Klopp is going to be working extra hard to to make sure that he comes up with a game plan that makes it makes it hard for City to to come and take up take three points. Uh, at the weekend. So I am expecting a tough game. And whenever we play a team who've been on a bit of a bad run, I always think, well, that's kind of got to end sometime. This, it's got to kind of go in the opposite direction for Liverpool. That might not be the case. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's, mm. it's kind of, it's kind of a hard game to call, I think, because Liverpool, yeah, you're not in good form, but I, I, I just, I'm not ready to believe that it's kind of terminal. <laughs> yeah. If you know what I mean? I, I know that the, the points totals at the moment aren't looking very good in terms of your title race, but I just can't come to terms with the idea that Liverpool aren't in the title race in October. It just doesn't seem, <laughs> seem right to me. So yeah, I mean, this, this game at the weekend could be pretty pivotal, pivotal for you in, in, in terms of that. I think, you know, if City were to, to win and, and, uh, it would be what? 16 points with having played one game more at that point it's, yeah. it's looking pretty bleak for Liverpool whereas if Liverpool win it's then 10 points with a game in hand and you know we're still only 10 games into the season 9 games into the season whatever it is and uh, suddenly things are looking a lot brighter for Liverpool but you know it'd be interesting to see what kind of team Klopp's able to pick like who plays at right back uh, I know Trent hasn't been in great form at the moment but I think he would still yeah, yeah uh, he's injured so you would, you would still rather have him there um, of course, yeah. than anyone else. Yeah, so, what do you think it'll be? Joe Gomez will play there. I imagine, yeah. So, I, I think, um, yeah, Gomez is who I would play there. I, I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not allowing myself to imagine the world in which James Milner starts there again sure. after what happened to him. I think last time we tried that little experiment yeah, against um, Foden. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I, I, I don't want to see that. Uh, uh, so, I think, yeah, I think it probably will be Joe Gomez um, who, who plays there, and then Matip's out as well. So, I think mm. it's. Um, Canate will come in. So actually, I'm actually fine with that. I think Canate's pace will be very, yeah. very useful. Um, but he's, he's he's only played one game since he since he came back from injury, and that was when he was mm. thrown on against um against Arsenal, which is a bit of a weird one. So yeah, there, there, there's some injuries there. I think it's I think um, it's interesting hearing hearing your perspective on it because I think uh, I've gone to a stage now where not that I'm resigning myself to Liverpool not being in a title race. I'm just not thinking about the title at all. I think I. I, yeah. I I, the, the, the thing with Liverpool, I would say, is I, I get what you're saying around, um, yeah, they, they, you watch Liverpool games and you see glimpses and you go, oh, yeah, that's the same, yeah, so there's the same mm-hmm. side, same quality. Um, but there's, yes, yeah, weird. There's been something off from the very first game. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 I think what's, what's maddening is it's been, it's been hard to quantify what that is. I think that, like I mentioned, the midfield is definitely, Definitely an issue. I think there's like I think there's uh, lots of discussions around you know uh, the viability of of Henderson as a as a as a starter at the moment, given sort of maybe what he what he is or isn't able to do defensively, mm-hmm. uh, or just energy wise, you know, age catching up with him. But yeah. I think there's also yeah like trying to sort that out whilst working through integration issues with the others. But I think yeah I think I. I've, I've, I've not been this concerned about a Liverpool team for, for quite a while in that I just, I don't quite see the innovation or the change that is going to solve it immediately, if you will. Um, yeah. so that's what worries me a little bit. So that's why I'm thinking maybe it's even just going to be, 
a personnel thing that eventually saves it, right? Rather than wait for uh, the the dream of Jude Bellingham <laughs> turning up or whatever, <laughs> uh, which is hardly guaranteed. I think it might have to be mm. somebody coming in a bit sooner than that. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think just just finally then before we before we do, before we do wrap up, and I've, I've to list the, the Liverpool listeners. I, apologies, I've tried to be more <laughs> like a be. I mean, I, I I agree. I think Nunes there's been some really promising signs. I think he'll be. Um, a good player for us, just take some time to get that momentum back up. But I think uh, mm. his his shot output has really, yeah, some very very exciting stuff around. What once he starts finding the finishing uh, touch that he that he had at Benfica, um, I don't think that that Haaland v Nunez stuff was very helpful to Nunez at the start of the season, really, was it? No, there was, there was also, also wasn't very realistic yeah. as well, was it? To be honest, I mean, like, mm. I think there, there are different stages of their careers and um, development, even even despite the similarity of a. Uh, their age, um, so I didn't, I didn't think it was that helpful to be honest. But um, yeah, I think it's a it's, it's an interesting one. But in, in terms of then, I suppose it sets us up for a final question: just your expectations for the season then, because at the moment it seems like you know fairly imperious, solid-looking squad, no mm. real weaknesses at the moment. Um, so uh, I suppose what what are your expectations for for this season? I would expect us to win the title again, to be honest. Um, I do think we, we look the best team. I think, you know, if, if Liverpool, you know, Liverpool were considered by me and by everyone our main challengers for that going into the season. And, and if you aren't going to be in the title race, I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining Arsenal having the, the longevity to go for the entire season and, and, yeah. and go toe to toe with City and, and run us as close or even, you know, surpass us in the way that Liverpool have done in recent years. They're I not. Think Arsenal Let me assure you, and... their fans are not. Uh, they're not having doubts. I think they think they're going to push you, <laughs> going to push you all the way. Um, but they, I, they might. They might. Well, I just I have a hard time imagining it at this moment in time. Yeah, we'll, we'll see me how too. it pans out, especially after the World Cup. But I think they are, they're good. They're a good side they're and they're moving side. in the right direction for sure. But like, if they I think if they're our main challengers, then I'm not too worried about us win the league. Which I hope that doesn't sound cocky, but it's just it's just how I feel to be honest. And um, you know, other than that, you're looking at Tottenham or Chelsea, who I just don't see being involved either. Um, I would be astonished if Man United made anything like a dent in the title race this year. So it seems at this moment in time like City are pretty heavy favourites for that. And yeah, I, w- I would probably back us to win that. And the Champions League, who knows really? <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're going to get out of the group. We've done, we've, we've sealed qualifi- qualification already. That was almost, that was a bit of a formality before the group stage even began, really. And then, with City, you're looking at the, the, the last 16, the, the quarterfinals, seeing who we get there. If we can get favourable draws and get through them, then suddenly you're in the semi-final and it, it really opens up and uh, we could either finally get over the line and, and Harlem fires us to glory in the Champions League or some mad stuff happens like happened against Real Madrid last season. We get knocked out again and we're left wondering what on earth do we have to do to win this competition, this, this cursed competition. But it's not something that's kind of keeping me awake at night, especially not in October. I'll, uh, I worry about that towards the end of the season. And uh, yeah, in, in terms of the cups, like we, I could imagine us winning both cups. I could imagine us not winning both cups. We've, funnily enough, got Chelsea at home in the uh, the Carabao Cup, yeah. um, which is one that could go either way. So you know, we could go on to win that one, or we we could get knocked out early like we did last season. And uh, yeah, the FA Cup, it's it's too soon to start thinking about that really. So. Yeah, my expectations are that that we'll we'll go on to win the league, and um, I'd be I'd be happy with that. Anything else is is a bonus, really. And I suppose more than ever this year, if we only in inverted commas win the win the Premier League and we don't win the Champions League, then I think people will will have something to say about that, even more so than they have in the past, which is fine. I can live with that. I, I do accept that there's a there's a lot of pressure that comes um, with the money that City spend and the players that City have and the manager that City have. So. You know, if uh, if we if we don't win all four trophies, it will probably be considered a a bit of a failure. But you know, whatever. Yeah, these are the problems that uh, it's quite allowed to have. <laughs> think of the, yeah, first these, world problems. If these, ever there were one, yeah. these were the problems that yeah <laughs> we we're contending with last season. You know, oh, which was it? Which of the which of the four is, is is it going to be? I think I think one thing I definitely want to see this season is not to prioritise the FA Cup and Carabao Cup because. <laughs> I do wonder just how much that 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 burnout physically has come from us trying to do everything. Um, mm. And some of these players have yeah been they've run a lot of miles. So um, uh, yeah, it's. Well, uh, I, I actually think if we had beaten you in the semi final of the FA Cup last season, we wouldn't have won the Premier League. I think that really, really would have had an interest on us. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was a 
a bit of a blessing in disguise as far as we were concerned. Mm, interesting. I must admit, I was quite annoyed by the Villa draw at the start of the season. I was like, oh yeah, he couldn't do that. <laughs> so he couldn't, <laughs> yeah. couldn't do that. Like dogged 1-1 uh, one, one, uh, earlier in the season. Yeah. But um, no, I think yeah, City, I mean, as much as I um, joke about it, sort of City are in a phenomenal side. Lots of, you know, lots of players to, to really admire. So um, yeah, I think that's... Um, it's uh, it's it's looking good across all fronts, I think, absolutely. But um, as always, Dan, thank you very much for coming on and sort of uh, yeah, um, lending us your perspective on on uh, how City are doing. It's been fairly consistent, I think, for a while. Um, and um, yeah, your your thoughts for for Sunday. Good to see, good to hear that there's still some some trepidation. I think yeah, Liverpool fans are trying to talk themselves into it. I'm sure after a few drinks, they will they will have done uh, this weekend. But um, <laughs> sure, we all will have done. But um, yeah. yeah, it's looking pretty, pretty ominous. I think at the moment. But thanks again for coming on. My pleasure, Harry. Thanks for having me. And just uh, before we wrap up, and just to say for the listeners that the games are coming thick and fast here, obviously, um, and there'll be another another rival recon. I think looking at my fixture list here before West Ham, which is only three days after the City game on Sunday. So uh, yeah, as as we get closer and closer to the World Cup, the fixture list gets even more crammed. Uh, but there'll be an episode of of the pod just ahead of that um, game at home to to David Moyes West Ham. Please don't uh, allow David Moyes to get his first one at Anfield. That'd be quite nice if we just didn't do that. Um, quite nice. But uh, in terms of um, other content, of course, there's plenty of other pods out on the channel. Lots of people looking in forensic details to sort of why Liverpool are going through the current uh, identity crisis that they are and potential routes out of that as well. So do check out those um, those pods as well. But for, for us here, as I said, we'll be back again before that game against West Ham. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.